0: all week long this has been rolling around on the inside of me so if you've been around me this week you've probably heard some of this message and i'll start off with 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 this this true story when i was a kid um you know i started working by at nine years old as a paper boy and um selling papers and getting new subscriptions and and those kind of things and and i really i didn't enjoy it but then again i did it taught me a lot but when we moved to iowa the paper route in new virginia wasn't exactly big enough to give me the income i was used to from omaha nebraska so i started working for farmers and there was this particular farmer, hope he's not listening, outside of, right outside of town, and he was kind of a grumpy old cuss, you know what I mean? It, it, you'd see him in the morning and he would snarl at you, you'd see him in the afternoon and, and he would growl at you, you'd see him in the evening, he might bite you. You know, he was just, he was just grumpy. And he used to call me, and he would, never, he would never say, okay, I need you at 9 o'clock tomorrow. He would call me at the last minute and say, I need you to go out and fix fence. I need you to go out and walk beans. I need you to go out. But he never gave me much detail. And it seemed like more times than not, even though I would sweat and I would give all my effort, um, I would come to him, and he would be, he would be grumpy. He would, he would say, you didn't do this right, and you didn't do that right, and you didn't... And, and, I really got to thinking, I was only 14 years old, and, and I got to thinking, you know, if everything I do frustrates him, there's a problem and it must be me. But I was doing everything that I knew to do plus some extra. And, and I realized at 14 that the problem was he never communicated to me what the end picture was to look like. What, the picture that he had is in his head. He never communicated how he wanted me to do things. And so at 14 years old, I said, life is too short to do this way to buy the phone just to get somebody to yell at you. You know, I'm not going to do that. And so I said, I'm sorry, I can't work for you anymore. Now, I wasn't about to try and explain to him why, because I, I would be corrected and, and, and yelled at probably. But, you know, the truth is a lot of us live our Christian lives that way. We're trying to please somebody, but we don't know what they want. We're trying to please God, but we don't know what he wants. Sure, we know some of the scripture, right? But, 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 it, but it's kind of dead to us. We, we don't know what he wants us to do today. We really don't know what he wants us to do tomorrow. We don't know. We need to discover our purpose for our life. He created you to do certain things. So that's our number one thing is to find out what he created me to do and then begin to do it by his power and by his strength but that brings into this question does God still speak to us does God communicate to us and, and I'm going to read a scripture, Jeremiah 33, verse 2, and it says, This is what the Lord says, the Lord who made the earth, who formed and established it, whose name is the is Lord, that, is, that name is Yahweh. Ask me, God says, and I will tell you remarkable secrets you do not know about things to come. Well, there's your answer. If you ask God, he will speak to you. Maybe that's the first problem that we have. We don't ask God, what is it that you have for me to do today? Uh, tell Tell me what you want me to do. And then send me out to do it. We just talked about that. But maybe we should start asking. But listen, God speaks. Everybody say that, God speaks. Say this, God speaks to me. If God speaks to me and God speaks to you and God speaks to her, And God speaks to him then how does he speak I don't want to be waiting by that's an old phrase isn't it waiting by the telephone now the telephone goes with you I don't want to be waiting by the telephone for him to call when he's not going to be ringing so how does God speak? And there are three ways that God speaks to us. Three three methods, three systems, three avenues by which he speaks to you and he speaks to me every single day. God can speak. Now listen. God can speak to you through angels, he can speak to you through signs and wonders and miracles. God can speak to you uh, many different ways. But those are rare. God chose three ways to speak to you, to clarify things for you and me, specifically about our life. And that is through the word, the scripture, that that, that is through the Holy Spirit who lives within you. And it, it is by the church. It's an interesting concept that God is a triune being, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, right? You are a triune being. You have your soul, you have your spirit, and you have a body. So God chooses to speak to you in a way that each part of you can hear clearly. So God speaks to the word through you to help you renew your mind. God speaks to you by his Holy Spirit, and he communicates to your spirit. God speaks to you through the church, and that helps you curtail your flesh because sometimes the word of God needs some flesh on it. Because I don't care who you are, even myself, I can get spooky without some correction. I can get weird without some correction, or at least an example. So, so, the, the, so God speaks to us three ways. He speaks to us through the scripture, he speaks to us through his church, and he speaks to us uh, by his Holy Spirit. Uh, Jesus was led by the Spirit out into the desert. And, and he, he fasted for 40 days, so he, he was a wee bit hungry. And he's up on top of this, this mountain, and the devil appears to him, and he begins to tempt him. One of his temptations was this. Now, I know you're hungry, and, and you could provide for yourself. Because if you are the son of God, prove it by turning these stones into bread. And that way you'll satisfy your hunger and you'll nourish your body. Now, I'm, you know, I'm adding on to some of these things to make it flesh it out for you. And, and Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 4, verse 4. No, <laughs> the scripture says people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. I want you to notice three things about this. Jesus, keep that up there, please. Jesus connects, he connects, he connects living with the word of God. He connects, remember Jesus said, I have come so you may have life and have it more abundantly. Jesus, Jesus doesn't want you just to survive. He wants you to, he wants you to be able to thrive, And he connects living with the word of God. And and, and I want you to notice something else. He he also connects uh, every word, he says, every word that comes from the mouth of God, not every word that came from the mouth of God. So he's talking about present. He's not talking about, he's not talking about. Something that's in the past. The the chicken breast and the spinach salad I ate two days ago is not gonna sustain me today. The 16 ounce bottle of water that I drank yesterday is not gonna hydrate me today. The wedding banquet that Niji and I had 20, I don't know, five, 23 years ago, that's not doing anything for our body today. And, and it's, 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 it's that Jesus connects the bread of life, manna from heaven, with the word that comes from God. And it's something that we need to have continually. Everybody say continually. We, 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 need, to, we need to eat of this bread every day. Notice that Jesus used the third thing, scriptures, to validate this, this particular statement. Are you with me? So it's not having heard from God, it's hearing from God. How can you hear if you don't know what and where to listen? How can you have faith that God is going to speak to you if you don't have an expectation of how he's going to speak to you? And that expectation needs to have some confidence. That's what, that's what we call faith. The scriptures, now Jesus used the scriptures to validate this statement. And the scriptures are the number one way. Everybody say number one. The number one way that God communicates to you and to me. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. All Scripture is God-breathed. And it is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong with our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses what? The Scripture to prepare us and to equip us to do good work. You know, I... When I was studying uh, at Bible school in the first decade, I, I just really wanted to know why, why about everything. Why did God, why did God choose the word? God did, why did God choose scripture as the number one way that he communicates to us? And, and, and you know, in reality, it's like this. You remember the old game of telephone? Where in elementary school, you'd all get in a circle, and one person would say, you know, the beginning was, Johnny has red hair. And then that person would repeat it to somebody else, and then that person would repeat it to another, and that person would return to the other. And by the time it got to the end, Johnny was red-faced. The story would change, because that's the way we are with, with, with oral tradition, for example. So when, when God shows to write down his word, he did, it, he did it twice. I mean, he did it through two seasons, through period, two periods. One was Hebrew, which was the most elaborate language that was available at, at the time, and then Greek, which was the, the, the most extensive elaborate language in, in history. God chose those two languages to write down his, his thoughts and his intentions to you and to me. Why? So that it can't be changed like that game of telephone. And today's technology is so cool. Any one of you can go to a Bible program and pull up the the Hebrew or the Greek, and you could begin to click to learn the definitions of Greek and Hebrew words. You need to learn the, the, the laws of translation. But once you get that, guys, you can look at the original text in Greek or Hebrew. And God chose to write down his thoughts, his will, his, his personality, his character, the way that he perceives things to clearly communicate to you and to me in a way that won't be altered. Are, are you hearing me? Just think of it this way. God could have had Moses write down the Ten Commandments uh, upon a, a, a piece of paper. With, with ink that may fade, but he didn't. He wanted it to be a permanent record, so he had them chisel them into stone. That was God's written word, the first example of God's written word. And, and so now we have the word of God the scriptures that are inspired by him they didn't come from men they, they didn't come from the way a man thinks his personality his his perception that's not the way scripture came all scripture is inspired or God-breathed and is useful for teaching what is true second Peter chapter 1 verse 20 are you with me Above all, church, above all, cathedral family, you must realize that no prophecy in Scripture ever came about by the prophet's own understanding or by human initiative. Now, the prophets were moved by the Holy Spirit as they spoke from God. The the, the heart of the prophet was moved as they penned the words that God was speaking to them. The, the, they didn't come about by their own inspiration or by their own ideas. But, but what they wrote was what they heard from God. Are, are you hearing me? And there are times that I, I questioned God. I said, well, why, why, why don't we have the book of Enoch? Why don't we have the Apocrypha? Why, why does this religion have this? And, you know, God, God spoke very clearly, clearly to me. And he said on the inside, he said to me, I kept what was important. I kept what was valid. I kept what is true. And you'll see that the 66 books that we have in the Bible have traditionally been kept for centuries. And they're basically unchanged. Language changes, but God doesn't. Language changes, but the original Hebrew still says what the original Hebrew says. Language changes, but but the Greek still says in the New Testament what the Greek said. God chose something that was elaborate, something that was detailed, Hebrew and Greek, so that he could capture his words in a way that you could comprehend and understand God's original intent. But listen, God spoke the scriptures and prophets wrote them as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. But I want you to know that the scriptures aren't dead. God speaks today. Through the scriptures. How how is that possible? Well, let's go to Hebrews chapter four. Hebrews chapter four, verse twelve. For God's word is alive and it is powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between I love this, soul and spirit, between joints and marrow, it exposes the innermost thoughts and, and desires. The word of God, the scripture is alive. Now, First uh, Corinthians chapter two says, maybe Second Corinthians chapter two. It says, "For the man without the spirit cannot understand spiritual things, for they are foolishness to him." But the man with the Spirit, with the Spirit of God, understands spiritual things, for we have the mind of Christ. In other words, we can, what happens when you read the Scripture, Cathedral family, and you read it, you open up your Bible, whether it's five minutes a day or 15 minutes a day, and you read the Scripture, or you're listening to the Scripture, or you're listening and looking, that's the way I do it, listening and looking at the Scripture at the same time, what happens is your spirit gets activated, and it connects with that Word, and that Word Word becomes something that's alive. You, you know, we've all been trained about logos and rhema. Uh, the, the logos becomes rhema. The, the, the written word, the this, uh, solid written word becomes living and alive. And we see things that we never saw before. I'm still amazed after 25 years of studying the word of God, almost every single day, I am still amazed that I could read a passage of scripture and I'd go, whoa, I never saw that. To me, it's, it's like I've got, have you ever put together a puzzle and, and you had, okay, you had pictures, okay, so I put the American flag together and I put the, the top of a building together and, and, then, and then I put the, put the head of a horse together, all that, but, but, but they're separate. And then one piece goes in the middle and all three of them come together and you go, that's it, that's it. That's what happens to me when the scripture becomes alive. I have this thought and idea God's trying to teach me. I have this, uh, this thing that God's revealed to me, but I don't quite get how it fits in. And I, I've got this, I'm at the foundation of my faith. And then when the scripture becomes alive, when, when my spirit grabs a hold of it, it's like putting that piece of puzzle in, And all of a sudden, everything snaps together. And I have an understanding. I, I, see, I see the mosaic that God has been trying to show me. And it's the word. Of God that's alive that makes that happen. I want to say this without bringing guilt and condemnation. If Jesus connected the Word of God with living, if Jesus connected the Word of God as our manna from heaven, if, if, if Jesus used the Scripture to validate His statements, guys. Don't you think that we need to be eating the diet that God has prescribed? I'm not talking about staying away from pork and those kind of... I'm talking about eating the Word of God. Your spirit man needs fed. Your spirit man needs hydrated. I'll give you a little skinny... The truth is that your spirit man thrives on manna from heaven and your spirit man thrives on the Holy Spirit. See, see, the Holy Spirit hydrates us on the inside. And the word of God gives us a substance by which we can build something. Could you imagine trying to, well, when I was a kid, we had Legos. And um, my family wasn't, well, we weren't, we weren't rich at all. We were poor. And, uh, you know, I, I was the youngest, so I wore hand-me-downs and hand-me-downs and, you know, my, and our hand-me-downs came from Goodwill, but, but we got one set of logos, lo, logos, Legos, when I was a kid and, and, I put them all together a hundred million times, it seemed like. But all I could ever build was the walls of a garage or the walls of a house. I didn't have enough to make a roof. I mean, I tried a hundred different ways to make it smaller so that I could have the door open and all these kind of things. But I never had enough Legos to complete what I wanted to complete because they weren't there. I needed more material. And God wants to build you. God wants to build your life. God wants to build your, your, your spiritual capacity. God wants to build, help you build your discipline. But, but, guys, we need the material. If you keep trying to build something without adding something, guess what you've got? You've got a whole bunch of two-by-fours with holes in it because you've taken them down and re-nailed them, re-nailed them, and re-nailed them, and they're no good anymore. You've got to have more. That's why Jesus connected the word of God with living. All right, praise the Lord. That's pretty good. I like that. Proverbs chapter 16. No, John chapter 16. Nope, nope, let's go back. I'm so sorry. John chapter 14. God speaks to us, number one, to us by his word. God speaks to us, number two, through Or by his Holy Spirit. God speaks to you and to me. Let's say it this way. Generally, by the word of God. Specifically, by the Holy Spirit. Yes, he can use the written word and make it alive and speak to you individually. But most of the individual conversations that you're going to have from God is going to come from his spirit. And the word of God says that if, if the spirit of, that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you... Paul says, I pray that you're strengthened in your inner man by his spirit. I'm saying those things so you know where his spirit abides. It's within you. So why, church, do we continually look toward the outside to hear from God when he lives on the inside? Why are we waiting by a phone that God will never ring? And if he does ring the phone externally, it's because you're not listening internally. Does God speak in words? Sometimes. Does God speak in thoughts? Sometimes. Does does God speak in in impressions? Most times. Does God speak in a knowing? What's a knowing? He just knows something on the inside and it gets clearer and clearer as you pray about it. God speaks to us that way. Those who are led by the spirit of God are the sons of God. Now, Jesus was with his disciples for three years, and he taught, watch me, watch me, follow me, watch me, follow me, watch me, do as I do. And then right before he's going to the cross, he has this incredible conversation in John chapter 14 through 17. If there is one section of scripture that I've read more than any, if there's one, if I could say I've read it, I bet I could say I have read it half a million times. I mean, I've read it so daily for years, John 14 through 17. Why? Because Jesus is getting ready to go to the cross, and he's telling the disciples how they are going to live, how they are going to have authority, how they're going to exercise the power that they've watched Jesus walk in. John chapter 14, verse 16, Jesus says, and I, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate, a helper, who will never leave you, He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. Don't forget that. He will lead you into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it's not looking for him. See, you have to have an expectation that God is going to speak to you. And if you have an expectation that God is going to speak to you, you need to know where he's going to speak to you at. And he says, the the world isn't looking for him. It doesn't recognize him. But you know him. Now, I, I've seen Jesus do this in my mind so many times because he lives with you now, points to himself, and later he will be not on you, but he, he, the Holy Spirit does come on, but in you. He said, No, I won't abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. He's, he, he, he was saying, Guys, you're not going to have to follow me externally anymore. You're not going to have to see me take three steps and then you start walking but but you're going to you're going to see your life on the inside not in your head not in your heart but in your spirit not if if all your conversations with God are taking place in your head you're missing it because if you're having conversations within with your head then he's not speaking to you from where he doesn't live in your head he lives in your spirit Now, what happens is revelation rises and thoughts descend in the chamber of your heart. And the heart is a mixing place between spiritual truths and then what you're thinking about. And out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth speaks. That was a lot of lesson real quick. God lives in your spirit. And remember, please remember, Hebrew is not God's language. This is anointed. Greek is not God's language. His language of choice is not English. His language of choice are spiritual words. Very clearly, God speaks to us in spiritual words, words. And the man without the spirit can't understand them because his spirit is speaking to your spirit. Your new, you got a new wineskin, skin, sweetheart, and God put his new wine in you. And baby, you can't live on the wine that he put in there last year. You got to live on wine that he's putting in you now. You can't live on the word that he spoke to you 10 years ago. You've got to live on what he's speaking to you now. Oh, praise Jesus. God will speak to you. When I say speak, guys, don't think English. Sometimes it comes to that. But if you'll please put on this filter, you could get a greater understanding. If you're hearing God in your head, then you've already translated it with your human intellect. Can I say that again? If you're hearing God in your head in English, then you have already translated God's word to you by your human intellect or with your human intellect. And that's okay. (laughs) That's okay. John chapter 16, Jesus says this to the disciples because they don't have a new spirit yet. They still have their their old corrupted spirit. He said, there's so much more I want to tell you, but I, I can't because you can't bear it. Your old wineskin will burst. Your spirit can't take it. With this, when the spirit of truth comes now, he'll guide you into all truth. He will not speak of his own. He will tell you what he has, what the spirit has heard. He will tell you about the future. He will bring to me, Jesus says, glory by telling you what he receives from me. And all that belongs to the Father is mine. That's why I say the spirit will tell you what he receives from me. Do you realize that you have a direct line to the, to, to the mind of God? See, the Holy Spirit is God himself coming through Jesus into you. I mean, I don't mean sacrilegiously or, you know, to, to, to make the Holy Spirit something less than what he is. But that's what's happening so we pray, we say, oh, God, tell me, tell me, tell me. Please tell me, tell me, God. I'll, I'll do anything you tell. Just shut up. I mean, I'm sorry. Listen, 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 listen. I remember in 1995, I was uh, going to Cornerstone Family Church, and and um, and I I was praying in my bedroom. I was on my knees. I remember the green green blanket thing I had there futon whatever it was and i remember i had my face buried in there i kept saying oh god please please tell me what to do please tell me what to do. please i mean i for an hour and then I finally got tired of talking and it was quiet and god said i mean probably in the most audible voice i've ever heard from him he just said go g-o that was it you know what i did I called my pastor the next morning. He came to my office. We had a conversation, and I took off. I just went. Where are you going? I don't know for sure, but I'm going. I ended up down in Tulsa, met in Asia, and then we started going to the nations of the world in 1999, carrying the gospel. He, but see, he, just, he had one simple thing, and I was so st- immature, stubborn, thinking God was going to be elaborate, I was waiting to hear something when on the inside, I knew all along that I was, what I was saying, here's what I was really saying to God. I know I'm supposed to go into ministry, but you tell me when and where. And so what came on the outside was God speaking to me almost in a disciplinary kind of way because I wasn't listening to what he was saying to me on the inside. And brother and sister, cathedral family, if you're waiting for somebody to confirm what God is speaking to you, sweet pea, you have more faith in men than you do God. Oral Roberts had a little plaque on his desk. Oral Roberts did great things for God. And that little plaque on his desk said, once you hear from God, confer with men no longer. Now, I want to know that I know that it's God, okay? And sometimes God uh, God will confirm through other men, but usually that's because you're not listening or you're not heeding. God will confirm what he says to you through his word because whatever he says to you by the spirit, uh, in your spirit, it's got to agree with the word of God because the spirit and the word always agree. In other words, God's not going to say, uh, I'm not going to, I'm not going to be believing God. God, I need $100. God, I need $100. And then then, then we're walking outside of the church, and some little old lady drops $100 out of her purse, and God says, that's yours. No, that ain't God saying that's yours. Because you're not supposed to take what's not yours. Thou shalt not steal. See, God's word word to you will never contradict God's word that, that is in the Scripture. That's another reason why God chose pen and parchment that can't be changed. Because you know as well as I do, God has spoken things to you and you've changed it. Uh, Proverbs 30 verse 5 says this, every word of God proves true. He's a shield to all who come to him for protection. Do not add to his words or he may rebuke you as a liar. Now, guys, in context, God's original intent, he's talking about the written word of God here. He's talking about the law and the Torah, okay? That's what he's talking about here. But it is also applicable to what God speaks to you. And I want to help you before so you don't think I'm picking on anybody because I'm not. Actually, it was my experience and, and my behavior that helped me understand this principle of God speaking to you. When God speaks to us, when he reveals something to us, maybe it's an impression, maybe it's a thought, maybe it's a picture, maybe maybe it's like a video, I don't know. God, God speaks to you in those ways. Words are not his number one choice. Words are so limiting. That's why when God speaks one word to you see more than that word. This building, for example, God woke me up and he said to me in a It was audible to me, but she didn't hear it. He said, check on on Kingsway. Check on Kingsway. I knew what he was saying. Go see if you can get it and fix it and use it. But all he said was check on it. You know what I mean? God speaks to you one little thing, and you see everything around it because, because God, God deals in pictures. God deals in images. It's easier to transfer an idea through a picture or an image than, than it is to dumb it down to the English language, especially because of what we've been doing to it. But here's what, when God speak, here's what happens. When God speaks to you, it's weighty, weighty as in, in glory. In other words, God's all over it. And so there's an excitement and a heaviness to it in a sense. And we tend to confuse when God speaks to us, we confuse what he said for two things: ownership and urgency. In other words, when we hear from God, we think it's our vision. No, nobody nobody else. Y'all got to get in line with me and come follow me in my vision. It's not your vision. It's his. And you're supposed to find your part in the vision. We also confuse, when God speaks to us, uh, we confuse, we connect urgency to it. We think it has to happen right now because it's weighty, okay? I understand it. it it's, got, it's got God all over it. And so we think, you know, we're just going to step right on, step right on out in there and boom, you know. We're just going to, wa- no. There's a season for it. So back up. Take the urgency out of it. Let God process it. Let let, let it stew. Billy Bell says, I got to let that stew, Pastor Kenny. It means he's got to think about it. He's got to process it. Let it process it. Process it. Don't speak it out before it should be. If you speak it out before it's ready, before it's gestated in you, you're either going to miscarry that vision or you're going to abort that vision. Don't do it. Wait for the release and the timing of God to let that thing go. When God speaks to us, he speaks to us through his word, and he speaks to us by his spirit. I'm trying to get to there. If you add to his words, here's what I mean. This is what I used to do. God would speak a word to me, and then when I would tell other people about it, it was a sentence. And if God would speak a sentence to me, and I'd tell other people about it, when I told them, it was a paragraph. And if God ever shared a paragraph with me, you know, I, I'd have a whole book for him. Because God's, when God speaks a word, remember, he's not just trying to communicate those words. There are thoughts and ideas behind it. But when God speaks, we need to be careful not to speak more than what he said. All he told me to do was go. I knew that meant finish your training, finish your, finish your Bible training. I knew that meant that. I knew it, it meant, it meant, it meant get, get engaged in ministry. I knew it meant I had to leave the town, but I didn't know where. I knew all that, but all he said was Go. And through the counsel of my pastor and, and, and you know, as I let it stew, as I let it, as I let it work in here, I found out where it was I, I was supposed to go to be trained so I could launch the ministry that God had, had set for me before the foundation of the world. words. When God speaks, don't add to it. Okay, number three, God speaks to us through the church. John chapter 10, verse 27, Jesus said, He's speaking to his disciples, my sheep. No, listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. Who's the builder of the church? Come on, who's the builder of the church? Who's the builder of the church? Jesus is. It's not Pastor Ninja, it's not you, it's not me. It, 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 Jesus is building the church. He, he's, he's growing this thing. He said, my sheep listen to me and they follow me. Now, he's not just talking about the ones that are walking with him that day. He's talking about everybody who says they're in God's flock, they follow him. Guess where they follow him on Sunday? Here in the United States and at the cathedral, they follow him to church. Why? Because he is the head of the church and he speaks through the church. You and I both know that when we get out of church, no matter how much we love Jesus, we tend to slip and slide. I I don't don't even want to tell you the shameful things I've done in my life when I quit attending church and quit reading the Word. I mean, that's just what happens. But coming to the gathering together, assembling together, there is a corporate anointing where God speaks, I call it a now word, where God speaks what we have need of right now. And I'm telling you that the world is lost and confused and they're identifying themselves in all kinds of strange ways because they're not attending a church, they're not hearing God's voice for today and they want somebody to tell them who they are and what they are to do. And now it's gone down to their identifying, I'm going to say I am who I am, who I decide to be, but you know, I am and you are who God created you to be. The the voice that comes through the church is not just the pastor. It's not just the teacher. Colossians chapter 1 verse 18 says, Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. And if the pastor is led by the spirit of God, now you have to hear me on this. If he's yielding to God's spirit, then God will speak through him. Just like, just like when you read the word, the word isn't dead because your spirit grabs a hold of it and it makes it alive. And what you need is there. The same thing happens with the now word coming from the pulpit. God will grab that thing even if it's coming from a dead man. Even if it's coming from a jack a donkey. Even if it, even, God will speak. And your spirit can grab a hold of it and make it something alive. It'd be like trying to ride a tricycle with two wheels. I'm in the body of Christ. You know, where, where my church is, it's out there in the tree. I'm out there in the tree, you know, I'm in the tree looking for deer. And that's where I meet God. That's where I see God. Of course you do. You're part of the body of Christ. And you finally got to a place that's quiet so you can hear from him. Do you realize that God is speaking through nature there? But when you come to the church, he'll speak through a man or he'll speak through a woman. And it doesn't have to be the pastor. It could be the person sitting right next to you. Hmm. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 11 says Now these are the gifts that Christ gave the church The apostle, the prophet, the evangelist Pastors and teachers These guys Their responsibility is to Equip people to do his work And to build up the church Which is the body of Christ You remember the Legos? My job is to provide you with Legos So you can put a roof on the thing My main responsibility is to give you material to build. Once in a while, I gotta say, you know what? That window doesn't belong there. Very seldomly, because God is living in you. My job, Pastor Nija's job, Cole and Melissa's job, Pastor Lucas' job, is to provide you with material to build. Jesus speaks to the church through these gifts much in the same way he speaks through the scripture. There's a life, there's an anointing in this teaching and preaching. And That's why for centuries people have said the pastor is going to deliver the word of God. It's not just this century. I mean for centuries people have said I need to go to the congregation. I need to go to the assembly. I need to go to this meeting at the church because because I need to hear the word of God. It's alive. In this world that we live in, guys, there is a huge move to throw off anything from us that restrains us from doing what we want to do when we want to do it and where we want to do it and how we want to do it. Therefore, there is a move to throw off the idea that God speaks through the church. Just take, a, take inventory of yourself or somebody else that you know. Uh, my, myself, my, my, my family for 30 years didn't attend a church and they loved Jesus, but they weren't effective. And they struggled Constantly with things that, that Christ said we could be victorious over. I'm not talking sin, I'm talking about attacks. And the people that they led to the Lord struggled. And many of them died. I watched it for 30 years personally. There are times I didn't want to go to church. There are times I didn't want to be here, honestly. But, but listen, I have to come because I need you. As much as you need me, as much as she needs you, we need each other. John chapter 15, Jesus said something that's not very comfortable. He's talking to about his disciples. He says, you know, uh, God, these guys are okay. My apostles, my disciples, they're okay because I've cleaned them. He says, "I, I pruned them. Now, I've pruned them so they can produce more fruit. I I, I cut some things off of their lives so that they could produce more fruit on the the, the branches that remain. I cut off the, the suckers, my dad used to call them, so that the limbs could grow out and carry more leaves and more fruit. Jesus prunes us or cleans us with his word. He said to his disciples in John chapter 15, verse 3, to his disciples, you've already been cleaned, you've already been purified, you've already been pruned by the message or the word that I have given you. This is a nugget that's, that can serve you well. When something bad happens to you, it is not God. God's not pruning you by a bad experience Taking something, something away, putting sickness and disease upon you. Guys, that's not God cleaning you or pruning you. He prunes you with His word. And if we're not pruned, guys, you know what happens? we got all these wild suckers growing off on the limb of our life, and we don't understand why we're not producing any fruit, because we haven't been cleaned by his word. And his word comes to us three ways. It comes to us through our daily devotion in the Scripture. God's word comes to us through the Holy Spirit that lives within us. God's word comes to us through the church. That's a good word. See, this word message is the Greek it's the Hebrew word logon. It's a derivative from logos, but it means this. Logon means not written word, logon means the word that God wrote but is spoken. Literally, when I speak the word of God, or Pastor nee just speaks the word of God, or another teacher comes up and they're underneath the anointing and they speak the word of God, you're being pruned. That's, just, that's how God wants it. He doesn't want it to be painful. When you receive the word, guess what happens, snip? When you receive, not the word of a man, but come on, I'm not talking you about, you can hear me in a lot of this, okay? But in this is the anointing. In this is revelation. In this is God's voice. In it, in it, in it. I know there's me all around it. I'm sorry about that. I try to get out of the way. But when you get it in your spirit and you receive it as God's word, shh. Don't receive my words as God's words because you'll probably end up going to hell. You just receive the word of God, the written word of God that's coming out that I can back up with the scripture. You can back up with the scripture. That, 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 that logon, the written word communicated, therefore it's translated as message. Jesus is still speaking Through the church and these gifts—the apostle, the prophet, the teacher, the evangelist, and the pastor—these gifts are the number one way that He speaks through the church or to the church. But as we gather, as we gather together, there's a corporate anointing. When we're hanging out together, before and after service, God may choose to speak to us through somebody else. Can I help you all, please? Say, say, help me, pastor. You may not come back. You know why a lot of people come in late and they leave early? Because they know that there's a corporate anointing. They may not be able to say it. They may not be able to, they haven't been able to, you know, communicate it. They haven't been able to put it into English. But there's something there that exposes us. So we come in late and we leave early so we don't have to press hands or hug necks. It's not the hugging, well, some of us like, don't like that, but it's not the hugging the neck. It's not the physical thing that bothers us. What bothers us is we're afraid what we did this week or what we continue to do that nobody knows about is gonna be exposed because that's the way God speaks. But I want you to understand something. Cathedral family, God doesn't, Remind us of our sin. When we repent, he chooses to remember it no longer. He chooses to conduct himself in a way as if he'd never happened. There's no record of it, okay? So if somebody in the church is bringing up a sin that you've repented for, that you've repented of... And they say, this is what God says. It ain't God. As a matter of fact, when the church speaks to the church, let me read this to you. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think of, way, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us encourage, let us not neglect are meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near, and it seems like it is drawing nearer. It's nearer today than it was yesterday. But the truth is, when we come together, some of us, and I used to be guilty of it, would say, well, God says you need to blah, 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 blah. And I finally was instructed by my savior that I wasn't to be somebody else's Holy Spirit. Because any, any fool, which I was, could walk into a room and tell you what's wrong. Any fool can walk into a church and tell you what's not right. It takes faith to call those things that are not as though they should be. It takes faith to encourage somebody. It takes faith to build somebody else. It takes faith to love on somebody that doesn't feel lovable. You know, when when you're just saying what is obvious, you're just being a thermometer. You're just reporting, this is what, 72 degrees. Well, is it human? I can't tell you. You've got to go to the barometer for that. I'm just reporting. I'm just telling you. That's what somebody does when they just bring out the negative. Anybody can do that. It doesn't take much of an intellect. Come on, I know because I was a fool and I did it all the time. I could walk into a church and I could perceive by the spirit of God what was wrong and what needed to be changed in the leadership. And change myself is what I needed to do. That wasn't the spirit of Christ. That was a negative, nasty spirit. That was a judgmental spirit. I was pulling things out of the natural, calling it spiritual. It takes faith to encourage. It takes faith to love somebody. It takes faith to motivate somebody. The scripture actually the scripture actually tells us to seek to be used by God to do that. That's why the word prophecy and prophetic has a bad name in the church. Because most people who are walking in it are walking underneath the old covenant and not the new. They're pulling out the sins that people had to be had to be had to be identified. Because they didn't have the Spirit of God talking to them. But we have the Spirit of God talking to us. So God leads us by His Spirit. Yes, He can make corrections. But it's pretty rare that a Christian needs corrected from the outside in. Unless it's a general thing coming from the pulpit. I'm trying to help. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, 1 says, Let love be your highest goal, but you should also desire the special abilities that the Spirit gives. Oh my gosh, it's late. Especially the ability to prophesy. Verse 3, but one who prophesies strengthens and encourages others and comforts them. Now, a person who speaks in, in tongues is strengthened personally, but when one speaks a word of prophecy, it strengthens the entire church. So there's a word that can come out for the entire church, but there's a word that can come out individually. And that word, if it's truly from God, if it's prophetic, it's most likely going to... Did you see correct anywhere in there? Did you see that? Did you say point out sin anywhere in there? Okay, I'm coming up here. I can't be somebody's Holy Spirit. It's not my job to convict people of their sin. If I have to convict somebody of their sin, then the Holy Spirit isn't doing His job. Because Jesus said he would send the Holy Spirit to convict the world of their sin. He's doing his job. Nobody needs to know they're sinning. They need to know what the remedy is. They need to know what the solution is. They need to know how to get forgiveness. They need encouraged. They need comforted. Because the Holy Spirit, if you're not in Christ, you don't want to come to church because you're already be convicted of your sin. But we need to bridge the gap and say, hey, I know what it feels like. And I don't know why he did it, but God forgave me. He'll forgive you. Hey, I know what it's like not to be able to quit something, to be bound by compulsiveness and addiction. I do, I know what it's like. But when God got a hold of me, he broke that thing and he showed me something I didn't know I had. And I just laid that stuff down. God would do it for you. Hey, we're all the same, but God loves you so much, he gave his son so you could be free, so he could love on you. You could come into his presence without being ashamed. You You could come into the church early, and you could leave late. You're going to be okay, because God's got you covered. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 says, let us think of ways to motivate one another. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Love, lead, teach. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some do, but encourage one another. Too many times we correct or we cast doubt, but God wants to speak through you. He wants to speak through you, the church. Why? To strengthen, to encourage, to comfort. Does he still speak? Yes. He speaks through his precious scriptures. He speaks through his holy word. He speaks through the church. In the church, yes, the apostle, the prophet, the teacher, and the evangelist, but God wants to speak through you. Romans chapter 10, verse 17. So faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. It's not it's not having heard it's hearing it's not god spoke to me it's god speaks to me it's not i heard from god it's i am hearing from god hearing listen when you say hearing it speaks of an ongoing active relationship it speaks of intimacy it's it's not i read i read the bible is i Read the Bible. It's not I heard God's voice. That's, that's kind of Old Testament. No, it's I am hearing God's voice. It's not I went to church. It's I'm going to church. It's not I attended church last week. No, it's I'm attending church. God is speaking every week through His church. God is speaking every day through His Word. God is speaking every single second through His Holy Spirit. To hear Him, you have to know Him. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. Romans 10 says, if you openly declare Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you'll be saved. For for it's by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. And it's by openly declaring him as your Lord that you're saved. We call on him today. Would you make him your Lord fresh and anew today? I take a lot of flack from preachers who like their theology more than they like relationships. And I tell them I get born again, again, every day I got born again when I was eight. I got born again when I was nineteen, and I got born again again when I was twenty-nine. And ever since then, I make it a habit to get born again again. I I know that I have this stupid um, weakness, this stupid ability to pollute my spirit almost daily. I need, I need, I need to be fresh so I can hear from Him. Would you put your hand in your heart with me? Would you close your eyes and pray this, dear Heavenly Father? Dear Heavenly Father I believe in Jesus. I believe in Jesus. I believe He died for me. I believe He died for my sins. He died for my sins. Forgive me of my sins. Fill me with Your Spirit. Fill me with Your Spirit. And make me new today say this with me. All that I am and all that I ever will become is yours. I will serve Jesus for the rest of my days. Amen and amen. Would you stand up?